All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, the podcast where we talk about culture, relationships, and dating from a male and a female perspective. And oh, we're hitting the hot button topics today. So by the time this podcast go out, I hope this is still somewhat relevant, but um, probably a few weeks ago by the time this one goes out, it was big news all over the social feeds, Jonah Hill's leaked texts. So we're going to delve into that one. But before we do, Eliza, how are you? How's everything going? I'm good. Nothing to report. <laughs> Same as always, but I'm happy, healthy, Um. Yeah, in a good mood. How are you? Good on you. That's uh, that's nice. I'm I'm good as well. I've been traveling a fair bit, so I think it's catching up with me. Um, I might take oh. a few days off in in August, but uh, otherwise, every everything's good. Everything. Is... Are you gonna? What are you gonna do when you take your time off? Do you just like relax at home, or are you gonna go somewhere, or you're like, I need to stop traveling and just probably recuperate. just relax at home. Um, I always nice. feel it's funny because when I do take time off, I end up doing things that I think are quite unhealthy, like just scrolling on the phone yeah. and yeah. binge eating Maccas or whatever. Yeah. And then I sort of tell myself, oh, I should be or it's fine. Like it's just once a week or whatever. But then I, I also think, well, should even in my time off, should I be doing something productive? What do you do in your, I mean, do you even get much time off? And, and you when are you have so that time like, off, what do you do? Adrian, when he has time off, he just like, if he's relaxed, if he doesn't relax, he gets stressed that he's not relaxing on his time That's off. But exactly when he is right. relaxing, yeah. he's constantly like, I feel so unproductive and he's stressing about it. And it, yeah, I'm, 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 if given the opportunity to relax, I'm taking that and I feel zero regrets about it. So <laughs> I'm great at relaxing. I would say, you know, it's since dating Adrian, I've realized being able to relax is a skill that it really is. It, really it doesn't is. come naturally to just everyone to be able to unwind. Although I will say the one thing about having a baby that sucks is you can't just like have a day where you chill out on the couch. And that's what I miss. Like yesterday yeah. it was raining and I was like, oh, Rainy days used to be my favorite. I'd watch like Netflix. I'd eat some good food. And now I'm stuck inside all day having to like do little wooden puzzles to entertain a baby for hours and hours and hours, not being able to go outside. Um, so that sucks. But that's the only thing that sucks. Everything else is great. Uh, but yeah, I I find it easy to just, I mean, these days it's it's like we have to, we take shifts, I guess. Like when I, um, when it's the weekend, Adrian always takes Remy in the morning and I sleep in and then I just have a nice breakfast and a coffee and I'm like, don't look at me, <laughs> don't oh, talk nice. to me. Then I take them in the middle, take him in the middle of the day. And then after his last nap, we do like, I do the first half, he does the second half till bedtime. So we, we get up separate times to kind of chill out um so i guess i'm i'm glad in that sense that we get that time but yeah i hope you i hope you can just learn to <laughs> yeah no feel like no. being unproductive is also productive to your self-care and mental health etc yeah and I, and I don't you like i said i don't, I don't truly I don't, I don't i try not to you know give myself any more um stress by thinking oh i should be using my downtime better and look, you know, I'll I'll do things that maybe in some people who are relaxing will do something, I guess, more wholesome. And I end up just scrolling on my phone for two yeah. or three hours, which could be worse. Um, but I, yeah, I still sometimes think like, oh, I should be going for a walk or something. But yeah, yeah. whatever <laughs> yeah. is what it is. Do you guys take? Um, do you guys still 
do date nights and things or or is that not on the cards yet? If I had a baby that could just sleep <laughs> for anyone else, 100% I would do date nights. Like actually uh, we had, uh, what day is it today? On Sunday we went to meet um, our celebrant for our wedding and my mum came to babysit and I was like, this isn't even exciting. We're going out to meet a celebrant, but I was so excited to be like, we're going out, <laughs> you and I, we're going to Terrigal. And um, she was going to yeah, put him down for his nap and then we were going to go get breakfast afterwards. I was super stoked for it. And um, no, she spent maybe two hours trying to get him to sleep. He didn't sleep. And then that night he was, because he was overtired, he woke up every 30 minutes, literally every 30 oh, minutes. No. Um, so that it wasn't worth it. So uh, currently, and I have friends who have babies that can sleep 12 hours straight. So when they put their babies down, they can go out and do anything. So currently that is not on the cards for us. Um, but we, we make do like every single Friday night, we don't do any plans. It's always just, I mean, not that we would anyway, but we always have, we call it Spag Bowl Friday because self-explanatory, we eat Spag Bowl on Fridays and we watch a horror movie. And that has been our tradition since like literally since like the week we met. Um, and it has not changed every single Friday we do that. So that's our kind of like little date night. And then Saturday night, we do like pizza night. Um, once nice. he, The good thing about having a baby is he goes to bed at like 6.37. So we still have a few hours, but yeah, it's in the house. Yeah. <laughs> for now, for yeah. now. Well, so this could be, this might be a very stupid question, but when you were talking about the other couples who have babies in the, and they say that the baby sleeps throughout the night, do they, they just, they leave the baby and go out? They get a babysitter. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, okay. no, that's a fair question though. But yeah, they have. Say, they still have to oh. pay. <laughs> See ya. Damn. <laughs> so, um, baby. Yeah. <laughs> no, they get they get a babysitter um, or like a, a grandparent. But babysitters are also like you know you're paying like thirty thirty five dollars cash an hour plus your dinner plus however long you're out. So, I mean, there's yeah, that's there's that as well. Um, and I was, I was reading about this today online where it was saying how in Australia, um, when I guess, especially like for Sydney, if you're a first home buyer and you're wanting to buy a place and you can't afford it, you don't have like, you know, you don't have a huge amount of savings and with everything going on, or you don't have the bank of mum and dad that people are like, well, go, go outside of Sydney, get further out. So you can f buy something that you can afford. But then when you go further out, you no longer have your family support and to help you when you have children um, and then there's daycare fees and all these things. So, yeah, it's um, definitely pros and cons. In fact, most, I think almost everyone from my mother's group out of nine of us, almost all of us have come up from Sydney, which is super wow. interesting. Yeah. Do you, yeah. Uh, maybe with Ali or anyone like that, would you organise yeah. something where oh, you take the two babies tonight and we'll we'll go out and then we can swap next week or something like yeah. that? Could, could things like that I mean, work? Yeah, I should do that with her. I mean, I feel bad though because Ali's baby is so – this is my friend um, from the Central Coast and she knows Neil and that's how uh, her and I met and she's been like my mum best friend up here now. We like we hang out all the time and our babies are besties. But she's the one that has the baby that she can just put down and then he sleeps the whole night through. So it'd be easy for me. Whereas oh, she, yeah. she, for her, she'd be stuck with Remy. And when he wakes up and it's not me putting him back, he is like, he, this child turns into a literal 
demon. Like it's oh. ungodly oh, what he does. So uh, I think she would have a heart attack okay. <laughs> and not know what to do. Oh, fair um, <laughs> maybe one day though. <laughs> would mm. be good. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. must be hard to the, the first night you um, – Leave the baby with a with a babysitter, or even even a relative. It would, yeah, it would be a big thing because you know, be so. Yeah, protective. I tried a few times with my mom and um, Adrian's mom, and they're like, mm, <laughs> "That was shit." Uh, so really, yeah, it just he's, <laughs> um, something about bedtime. He's not not into it. <laughs> ah. Okay, well, that, I'm, so. I'm, I'm sure he'll he'll Remember sleep that. eventually. He'll he'll eventually get the, uh, you know, consistent. Um, yeah, I was um I was getting interviewed by a cop the other day, and I was, I was having to do a statement, and he was he said, "Oh, you have a baby," and I said, "Yeah," and he said, first question was, "How's the sleep?" And I was like, "Terrible," and he's like, "I've got three kids, all three of them were shit sleepers," and I was like, oh, "When did it get good?" And he's like, oh, "The youngest one is like twelve now, and it's he still doesn't sleep. <laughs> None oh, of them sleep." Oh my god. <laughs> Like don't tell me that. Twelve. Please. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully he was exaggerating. <laughs> I, I wonder if that that is just genetic because I think it is. My sister's a really good sleeper. I, I, I think I'm average. I'm probably maybe a bit below average, but I'm not. I know some people who are really terrible. So yeah. I wonder. I know my dad's a really bad sleeper. My mum sleeps like a baby. So it sounds like the women in my family sleep well and uh, the <laughs> men don't, don't. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I, um, my girlfriend's not the best sleeper. Um, mm. So, yeah, I wonder, I'm yeah, sure there'd be I some do, genetic component. I have three theories. One is that it's genetic because I know Adrian was a shit sleeper. Like his mom had to do cried out when he was like six years old. <laughs> um, so usually that if if people were to do cry it out, that usually happens when they're like baby babies, but he still at six was like waking up a hundred times overnight. And um, so that's my theory. But also I've heard that children that have neurodivergency um, are terrible sleepers. Adrian's ADHD, so it could be that. And the other thing I've heard is that babies that were separated from their mom um, or had like difficult births and things like that or separated from mom straight from birth um, are known to be like super clingy when it comes to night or times of separation. So, mm. and obviously that happened with me as well when um, I had a C-section, um, I gained feeling midway through, they knocked me out and then when I woke up, I didn't know where Remy was. The nurse didn't know where Remy was. I didn't know how long we'd been apart for. It was hours. Gosh. So could be that. Those are my three theories. Yeah. Not that any of those series can do anything, <laughs> but well, well, at least two of, two of the three I can blame Adrian. So <laughs> <laughs> we're sleeping a lot less um, compared to even the fifties and the sixties. Um, just the average sleep for for well, I saw this statistic. This is people in America, so I assume same in Australia. Right? Um, yeah, it's gone down, and that that could be because people oh, were on really? the field more doing doing generally doing more physical work. And when you do more physical work, I, yeah. I I'm guessing you you're more likely to you probably need more rest. Uh, but it, it it also no doubt like with everything on this podcast, probably the screens, probably social media, yeah. probably a, a um, plethora of factors. But speaking of social media, mm. uh, we, we we had a few people. Uh, 
send in the, the, the request to talk about the Jonah Hill situation. And um, I think it, it, it brings up a lot of issues like the, the weaponization of therapy speak, the, uh, you know, what are boundaries? What, are, what is boundaries slash what is controlling? And another thing I, it, it brings up that probably just relates to me is like men with a profile. Uh, yeah. What do you, you know, what do you do? But uh, how about we start with just our like brief general opinion and or take on it? And then we can maybe delve into uh, a few other things. I think we need to say what the situation is because when someone posted it, I had so many people reply. Someone posted on, I posted a reply to my Instagram story saying, I'd love for you to talk about it. And then so many people were like, talk about what? What was the situation? So in a nutshell, Jonah Hill, I think he's 39-ish, around that age, was dating a 25-year-old pro surfer or semi-pro surfer slash um, woman um, and she also is a surf teacher and they broke up a while back, maybe a year ago, and then she's recently released text messages saying, basically saying, girls, um, if you're dating someone like this, then run, something along those lines. And she screenshotted his text messages, which basically, I'll just read it out quickly. He says, plain and simple, if you need surfing with men, boundary boundary less inappropriate friendships with men to model, to post pictures of yourself in a bathing suit, to post sexual pictures, to post, uh, to have friendships with women in unstable places from your wild recent past beyond getting a lunch or coffee or something respectful. I'm not the right partner from you. If these things bring you to a place of happiness, I support it and there'll be no hard feelings. These are my boundaries for romantic partnerships. My boundaries with you based on the way these actions have hurt or trust. And then alongside that, he was also making her, monitoring her, deleting photos, uh, saying like, that's a good start, but I shouldn't have to teach you these things, etc. So basically he was telling his pro surf girlfriend to remove the photos of her in a swimsuit, to not surf with men, to not see her friends, um, and then the internet, surprisingly, I thought everyone would be like, whoa, this is like abuse. This is super misogynistic, blah, blah, blah. But I actually found that there was a lot of people that were kind of torn on this. It was almost like borderline 50-50, the views. And you sent me a video um, of like a talk show host um, like Breaking discussing points. it. Yeah, they did yeah. it. They, they, there was and four the of comments, them. And, yeah. the, the comments were all like kind of pro um, him putting in his boundaries, et cetera, and really anti the guy that was saying, this is wildly inappropriate. Don't date a surfer if you don't want her uploading photos of her surfing. Um, so, yeah, it's been definitely a hot topic at the moment, especially on social media. Uh, my general opinion of it, I guess, just to really nutshell it, is that I find that it is you know, a controlling behaviour. Um, and... Some people agree with that and other people say everyone is within their right to establish boundaries in a relationship. He's communicated that clearly. There is no harm in doing so. So mm. what are your thoughts? Um, I think it is definitely uh, – it, it, 
I just don't like these words we use. I think there was a lot of people saying he was a narcissist and then there were people calling her a narcissist for screenshotting. Yeah. I don't think either – well, I'm not qualified to to say either of them are a narcissist. I think that's an assessment mm. that a psychologist needs to do and coming to what the, the conversation that came out from those texts, which is the weaponization of therapy speak, I think that, that goes both ways as well. I think yeah. for all of us – seeing one text and um, making, you know, these these diagnoses of, of either of them, I think is ridiculous. So I don't like the way – that was my first take. I was like, why is everyone just – there's this one text. And to be fair, I think, I think it, looks, it, it looks controlling. Um, it looks a bit much. But at the same time, I also empathize with like, all right, he said this. And if that's how he feels, if he doesn't like his partner doing those things, it's better he gets that out into the open. And if if I was dating someone like that who didn't want me posting any photo of me shirtless or any photo with me with another girl, I'd rather they just say it in a text like that. And I'd say, okay, um, I don't think this relationship is going to work. So, yeah, I... um. I'm in two minds. I, I would say that the text did seem excessive and he seems insecure, especially the surfing thing. It, it, it seemed like, all right, well, why have you chosen to date a surfer, dude, if uh, yeah. if you don't like her um, posting photos in, you know, uh, and, and then some of the photos, I don't, I, I don't know, I can't verify this, but, you know, someone was posting something saying this was the photo he was talking about and it was her not even really in a bikini. It was like in a wetsuit with the top. Yeah, she's in a wetsuit, just on a board. <laughs> so yeah, it was, surfing. He's 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 an insecure guy, um, yeah. and and then yeah, um, it's hit a nerve with a, a lot of people on either either side of the aisle, hasn't it? So yeah, um, I'm not willing to say I'm I'm uh, the other the other thing is that it's just one text. You know what if. There was a line of text before. What if she was it, – it sounded like he was exasperated or something and he was like, oh, you've done this thing again. Look, these are my boundaries. Um, not to say that justifies a text like that, but I would love to know. I just think I I'm just very hesitant to to make any judgments and major comments on it because it's one text and, you know, I'm sure everyone listening, both of us, if, if we took the worst text we've ever sent in our life and – and someone just screenshotted it, it could make us look pretty bad. Um, so I'm just very uh, hesitant to uh, make any um, uh, judgments about his character. Um, but I will say yeah. the text, the, the initial thought of that text was like, all right, this does seem a bit, it, it, this seems excessive, what you're asking. Yeah. But, at yeah, the, I but mean- if you feel that way, it's better to say it. There is more more than one text though and it, there's just that one that's gone viral. So there's other ones from different days where he was saying, I also don't want you modelling at all. Um, it's the last profession I would date someone with, yet he dated her as a model anyway. And then what he said I find that found that was really like condescending and controlling is basically saying, um, go model then if you want to, basically saying model and I'll leave you. But, yeah, there's real depth and, and substance um, so suitable for relationships for her to be a model. 
Um, so I think at the in at the heart of it though, I think it's not even about the bikini photos or I get wetsuits photos or surfing. It's the isolation and controlling that if any cycle of abuse or anyone that has studied like DV, uh, sorry, domestic violence or abusive cycles, these are literally the signs that they point out to you as the beginning stages where they try to justify isolating you from certain things. So he's isolating her one from other men. You can't surf with other men. Two, isolating her from her literal career. She's a surf teacher, so can she no longer teach men? (laughs) Um, How does that work? Three, isolating her from certain friends saying, no, any friend that I've considered to be boundaryless, then you can't see them or whatever, or unhinged, whatever word he used. Um, uh, controlling what she can post on social media. And it's not that he's necessarily, this is the bit that people are getting confused about saying, well, he's not controlling her. He's saying, these are my boundaries. And if you don't respect them, whatever. The definition of boundaries are things that you set to yourself or limits that you set or expectations that you set personally for yourself. So my personal boundary is I don't do this. That is not a personal boundary for you to say you cannot do A, B, and C. Um, Otherwise you bear the consequence or you cause the consequence of this relationship ending. And you touched on a really good point about the weaponization of therapeutic language, which is basically what he's doing is he's saying, these are my boundaries um, and using language like that and being very succinct in order to make it seem justified and make it seem like it's an emotionally mature and appropriate conversation to be having. I can disclose these things and expect these things from you because I'm going to categorize it as a boundary. Um, which almost softens it or whatever. So I think that that's a really harmful use of therapeutic language. I actually uh, saw a video that was done by a therapist. He's my favorite therapist on TikTok. He's called Therapy Jeff. And he was unpacking it and he was like, this is just, it it is manipulation. It is control. And it's so harmful to use this and even just using therapeutic language and weaponizing that is also a form and a further form of control. Um, Not to mention the age gap and the dynamic, the power dynamic that also comes into play there. So I do agree as well that it definitely comes from a a deep place of insecurity, but the, and 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 not even to mention the double standards, like him having on-screen sex scenes or kissing women, etc., going to premieres with Hollywood's most beautiful and sexy women, yet she literally can't do her profession of surfing next to a man. <laughs> just, oh, it baffles me. Yeah. It's um, it, it, shocking. Yeah. And, okay, so there's a few things there. With, with boundaries, is it, if you're not comfortable with a partner doing something that maybe early on in the relationship they weren't doing, how do you communicate that then? Because if um, uh, I found out a partner was, uh, you know, going, let's say something that we can all agree on is is, is inappropriate, like dancing on other men or something like that, like tw- yeah. twerking on a man or something like that. Um the way I'd communicate that if it was through text would be, uh, hey, look, you dancing like that with another man, that's a that's a major boundary for me. I'm not comfortable with that. And, yeah. 
you know, most people I'd, I hope would, would agree in saying I'm in yeah. my rights to, to say something like that. But it is me asking the other, it is me telling the other person, hey, this is something you're doing that I'm not comfortable with. Yeah. I think that the difference is that with those examples like that, like you're taking, you're sniffing cocaine off someone's tits or you're dancing on someone or you're doing things like that, those are almost universal boundaries that it is, you know, fair and justified and common in relationships. Not saying that there is rules for every relationship that should be the same, et cetera. However, his boundaries are specifically just limiting her in, like I said, the career, friends, um, modeling, surfing, social media, et cetera. It's just limiting her and isolating her. And people get really, and rightfully so, um, cautious when a man is dictating what a woman can and can't do. And so I think that the difference there is, is, is just that he isn't saying he's written a list of things that she can't do and engage in, in order to keep him satisfied rather than saying a mature approach would be, I am dealing with insecurities of seeing attractive photos of your body online and knowing that other men find them attractive. Like I'm dealing with insecurities about this. Can we talk about this? Can we come to an agreement together on, is there a compromise? Is there something we can do together in order to mitigate these feelings um, I'm experiencing? There was no, and someone made a really good point on TikTok. There's no teamwork in this I guess that is represented at least just in these texts. Uh, There's no teamwork in this relationship. It's just him saying, meet my expectations or leave rather than how can we work together in order to um, make this relationship really safe and fulfilling for both of us? And do you agree with this? And can you compromise on A, B, and C? Um, So I think the, the fact that it is just literally written as a list really irks me as well, like so blunt to it. Um, And another thing that I guess a point of controversy is that this came out, I don't know if it actually came out at a similar time, but he has a, uh, Jonah Hill has a Netflix documentary of his work with his therapist. Um, So people are saying this is like so ironic and that anyone that is doing true therapy work wouldn't be gloating about it saying, look how amazing I am and doing a documentary on it. And that it's just further perpetuating and demonstrating his alleged narcissism, um, et cetera. So, and I, I think you made a good point as well about being in the public eye. And that's something that I want to hear your thoughts on as well, because yeah, like it's so public. And then his response to this whole controversy, um, he messaged, I don't know if you saw these texts because I only just found out about them today, but he messaged the uh, ex-girlfriend saying like, I will never be able to trust again. This has been such a big breach of my trust. And then she posted those (laughs) texts as well, uh, which I thought was pretty brutal. Um, And that was a bit. um, Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. um, Well, I felt felt for him then. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But. I want to touch on what you said before, though, like universal boundaries. I think we're in a bubble. I think we are, you know, millennial. I've been in the arts. You've, you're very progressive. Yeah. And I don't think what we necessarily think are universal boundaries are universal boundaries. I think there are other couples that would uh, have very different ideas of what is appropriate. I know that yeah. um, a radio station recently 
talked about some some texts as well where they, they, well, they shared a, a rules uh, that a couple had for each other. Now they were simultaneous, so uh, it, it didn't seem as lopsided. They they um, for probably you and I might might perceive them as extreme. It was things like you know you can't have a, a friend of the opposite sex, you can't contact people of the opposite sex. It was things like that, which mm. you know uh, a lot of people. But not everyone would would think that's yeah, that's extreme that's and that's controlling for, for for both people. But I think we did a podcast on this. If two people are genuinely in agreement on those, yeah, and they uh, no one is feeling coerced and they both abide by those, and no harm done. Yeah, and and so this what is boundaries for a, for a progressive millennial or Gen Z? maybe more secular modern couple can be can be very different for uh, other cultures or other uh, age groups um, yeah that's a that's a very good point yeah and then the other big thing that people were talking about was i know in that video i said there was the there was the the i like that i like that discussion because it was well, one of them's two of them are right leaning and two of them are left leaning, and I'm I'm sure you could probably yeah. guess who was who. But the the female who's right leaning was actually saying, you know, at what point is this infantilizing? At what point is it that okay, a man like that uh, sends a text like that, and you know, if I if I had a text like that from a from a female partner, I'd say, all right, this is whether it's cause to sort of end the relationship. It's something that. I, you know, I'm not going to do that. Um, and that's what a lot of people were saying. And I'm in two minds about that because when you're in a really intense relationship, in fact, most, particularly if it is one that is born out of insecurity or t- toxicity or something like that, yes, it's definitely not that easy to leave. And then there's the yeah. other argument of like, all right, well, why are you putting it on the other person? But at the at the same time, you know, at what point um, do we need a coddle people who are adults who if if you get a bad contract in a work scenario you say well I don't want to I'm, I don't want to be part of this if your partner is asking th- things that you deem to be unreasonable uh you, you have to be willing to walk away uh yeah and that was something that it also felt like okay she at what at what point is it that someone should should have the the maturity to say okay this is not i'm not i'm not on board with these sorts of these boundaries in fact i think it's controlling and i think you're being ridiculous here yeah i mean who i mean do we know when she or they ended the relationship after those text messages were sent because maybe she did maybe she was like well fuck you then see you later but it the thing about when you are in a relationship in which there is a cycle where you're getting controlled and manipulated, that the manipulation is so, I say, good or effective that you second guess yourself. So like the language he's using, like the boundaries and I see my therapist, my therapist says this, et cetera. It makes you second guess yourself to be like, well, is that what is happening here? Or is he just being trying to be an upfront, connect, effective communicator. And it, it does blind it. And I think this is something I see in the families I work with a lot, um, that abuse and coercion and control isn't as obvious as we all think it is or how it is in Hollywood, et cetera, or when we think of 
domestic violence and abusive relationships where we think it's like if you leave that door, if you walk out that door, I'm going to come back and smack you in the face or something. It's never like that. It's the subtle manipulation that builds up over time that makes people confused about, well, am I, maybe I am in the wrong. Um, And when you trust someone as well, and then there's love involved and also the power dynamic of their age difference um, and his fame, et cetera, it it adds other layers of maybe he's right and I'm wrong. And I do know that alongside those messages, he was also promising her a house and um, all these things that, not the same, not to make her out like a gold digger or anything like that, but she was probably thinking he's so serious about this relationship and it was only in hindsight or reflection or someone else called it or something like that that she came to realize this is control, this is controlling. And when you haven't experienced it and your only knowledge of controlling behavior is like that example I mentioned before, it takes a while to see it is what is in front of you um, for, for what it is. Totally. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. It's really hard. I I also want to, because again, coming back to what I said earlier with just one text, that admittedly I think looks at at the very least cringe. Uh, Yeah. I might have mentioned this on previous podcasts, but I've been in a relationship where many people would call my behavior controlling I'd, I'd just sort of do it in a covert way though i'd get quite upset when uh a partner was with a, a particular male friend and and there were other instances where I'd, I'd just get quite upset about things and you know if someone took a text from me in that period it would not give the full picture because i think i've also yeah. mentioned about how there were there weren't um, equal standards there. There was uh, an expectation of me to unfollow a lot of people, to um, act in a certain way towards the opposite sex. But then uh, I always felt like that same expectation wasn't um, uh, for for her. And as a result, and I'm not saying I'm still, you know, I still did what I did, and I should have just yeah. walked away, but. I became controlling. I became very insecure. And that's not to say that's the situation that happened with Jonah Hill, but I just, uh, especially with these celebrity relationships where there have been so many when the the other side of the story or more information has come out and then it turns out that um, it wasn't as black black and white as we initially thought. Uh, That's just where I'm also, you know, very um, uh, hesitant to make any absolute judgments about the situation because I think you'd need to know the whole relationship intimately. You'd need to know uh, a lot of other things that happened um, before you can, you can definitely say, well, this is, this is just one person completely controlling the other. Um, and that comes from a lot of personal experience actually uh, more than anything. Uh so it is a, you know what, my, my overall take would be something like, all right, well, everyone sort of knows the characters Jonah Hill played. He's, he was the, the fat loser, basically. And he was probably a pretty insecure guy. And then suddenly he shot to fame. He's, fa- he's, he's rich. Everyone knows him. And he's got these attractive women that are interested in him now. And from their perspective, wow, is this famous guy super high status? 
Um, so they both probably think the other is more uh, almost valuable than themselves. And that can then lead to a lot of controlling and, and sort of insecure behavior because Jonah might be thinking, oh, I finally got some these girls that look like that, that they'll immediately leave me for a, you know, a super good looking guy. So I need to make sure that she's uh, committed to me and, and she has to show that by doing X, Y, Z. And she might think, yeah. oh, he's this super famous guy. Like, yeah, okay, hey, he goes to therapy. This is, I have to do this or something. So yeah, it's uh, or in the reverse as well where he might be thinking, I'm really famous, I'm really rich. Do what I say. It's as simple as that. If you want to date someone high status like me, you got to be doing A, B, C. Um, yeah, and yeah, it could be. I yeah. think it's you made a good point about like the contextual information and and perhaps it's and a lot of people agree with that. I've seen people talking about that and other famous people were coming forward saying there's more to this story than meets the eye and then they're releasing text messages of the ex-girlfriend. What's her name? Is it Sarah? Sarah yeah, I think it's yeah. Sarah. Um, of Jonah's ex-girlfriend. Oh, really? What have they? Saying she... oh, well, sorry, basically they're saying that she's um, releasing these texts now like a year plus later because she's really bitter that he's moved on with someone else. He's got given the house that he promised to her to someone else. He's just had a baby, um, et cetera, as well. And then those people have released texts where Sarah was saying stuff like, what the fuck, only five weeks ago Jonah was sexting me and now he's got this new girlfriend. Like, So people are saying this isn't coming from a place of like I'm a victim and warning women about the signs of abuse. This is coming from a place of revenge and anger, et cetera, and jealousy. Um, and whilst I think, you know, it's interesting, I still don't think it's entirely relevant because – those texts still demonstrate controlling behavior and perhaps she was equally controlling back in which say I case I would say, well, they were both abusive and controlling. Um, and perhaps she put him into a place of insecurity or whatever, but regardless, those texts were still um, controlling. And I think, you know, it's a good point and a good devil advocate to be like, well, that's not necessarily a snapshot of their entire relationship it could be a period of time. It could be like a low moment. And those are really valid um, reasons. And I guess it's hard without Jonah's like actual not putting a formal response out. But I think that it's, it's so, it is an important discussion because, and I, it is important to recognize that, okay, regardless of if he is a controlling or an abusive person, that's a different question to just saying these texts are abusive and controlling um, in just that one, you know, series of messages, hmm. um, not necessarily putting him in that in category himself. And it's important to have those conversations and make that difference and differentiate that and state that because people otherwise will dismiss controlling behavior and say, it's not controlling, it's just boundaries or whatever. Um, and then it further perpetuates the issue of, of, I want to say people being put into cycles, but especially women being in a cycle of control by men in power or just men in general, where they're being told what they can do with their life, who they can see, where to work, what, et cetera. Um, and it's really important to call that out. So it, 
I do feel conflicted because on whether or not it should have been called out because since finding this information, I feel like, well, it was being called out from a place of maliciousness, which doesn't seem fair and it doesn't seem right. Um, and But at the same point, and I'm not saying like, I also don't think that it's at the point where he says that where I'm like, Jonah needs to be held accountable or he needs to be charged. I don't think it's at that level, of course, either. Um, So I do feel conflicted about was that an appropriate or helpful thing to have um, put out? It's certainly educating a lot of people and a lot of great discussions are coming from it and a lot of great debate, uh, which has been really interesting. But yeah, is it is it at the expense of him or is it karma? <laughs> so it's a tough one. It's I don't know how I feel about that aspect in particular. I, I think uh, if anyone, if you receive a text similar to that and you don't agree with those and you're not and you're not expecting the same thing of your partner, um, it, it's not. Uh, it's not cause for immediately thinking this person's abusive and controlling, but it's cause for you to talk to people and get a third opinion yeah. and and talk to someone you trust saying, hey, look, this my partner sent me this text. I, uh, I'm not sure how I feel about it. What's your take? And, yeah. and I think that would probably be the, uh, the, uh, the best take I'd, I'd interpret from something like that. Because look, I yeah. I do think the text. I'm not nothing. I'm saying here is is there are some people saying, oh, that text is uh, you know fine. He's just setting healthy boundaries, and it does seem a bit. It's it's she's a surfer. Like, what are you doing? It just seems a bit ridiculous that you'd expect this from someone when it's her profession. Um, yeah. And unless you said something like that at the start of the relationship, it just seems it just seems strange. Um, yeah. And saying things like you can't model and and that, I just why would you date someone then if if they're in that world if they're in that kind of profession? So I would I would be critical there, uh, but yeah, I'm just so hesitant to make any judgments, knowing what has happened to other celebrity relationships when yeah. more information comes out, and knowing that uh, other people have very different ideas about what is appropriate for their partner, and it's mutual, and also knowing that. Uh, you know, you you can't. I don't think. Um, I, I I agree with what you said that a text can be controlling, but it doesn't necessarily mean that a person is controlling, and um, yeah. they can be two very different things. And you need to see a pattern before you make that kind of judgment. Yeah. Um, coming back yeah. to what you said about the, the yeah, because that's the other aspect. Here's a man with a profile, um, whose texts are being released, and yeah, I can. Uh, <laughs> I'm obviously not as famous as Jonah Hill, but I can relate to him when he says that other text about this is now I can't trust anyone and this kind of trauma and things because yeah, you leave a digital footprint and then like I've said, I'm not I'm I'm not perfect. There's been texts where I've been angry, where I've been insecure, where I've been um pretty brutal sometimes and I regret it yeah. and I I'm not necessarily proud of it, but if someone screenshotted that and made it seem like this is this is what he, this is who he is as a person, I would be yeah. really uh, angry. And then if if you come out uh, with anger towards something like that, it would almost prove the point. So yeah, uh, it's a 
in this kind of climate, I suppose it's a risk you take if you are um, a person with a with a profile. You know something like this can happen and it can make you a bit um, not paranoid but just extra cautious about certain things. But, yeah, look, I know that's not something uh, everyone can relate to necessarily but <laughs> it does make you think, well, you know, I've heard stories of male celebrities getting their manager to uh, – approach a, a woman that they're interested in and, and sign an NDA uh, before they yeah. invite them to their hotel yeah. and things. And I always used to think that's so excessive. But, you know, I, seeing you things like this, you kind of yeah. you, you, you get it. And, yeah, yeah that, that part of it is uh, it's just the context. That's, that's the main thing for me. I, don't, I didn't like that uh, so many people are just – I understand people are relating that to their experiences and and seeing a pattern across other you know society, but when people were saying and and this goes to um both of them because that video I sent you they were calling well the two right leaning people were calling her a narcissist and saying look look how look how self obsessed she is she's just vindictive posting this screenshot and then the others were calling him a narcissist saying like well look no one's a that's a it's such a strong word and I'm done. I've talked about this on many podcasts. Only a psychologist can say that and they have to do a rigorous assessment and more likely than not, they're not narcissists. Well, it's Hollywood, maybe they are, but, but they're not. Um, they're, they're, they're insecure or they've got character flaws uh, yeah. and I, I, I think that's where this whole, you know, you'd see these statements like narcissists will always weaponize theory, therapy speak and, and that's that's a hypocritical statement because here you are making a, a therapeutic judgment about someone. Yeah. yeah. So I totally yeah. agree that there's a, been a, this misuse and manipulation of therapy speak. I mean, let's be honest, we're in this culture and I've probably done it on this podcast, but I've also yeah. Yeah. Um, sp- spoken about how it's excessive and how people will you know be quite dismissive of the, the complexity of another human being by just labeling them as this one thing. And uh, I, I, I agree with that general sentiment that they're in, in this sort of therapy culture, there are people who will just misuse a lot of these terms and, and do it in a way that makes them feel a lot better. So if, if yeah. you know, let, let's say the context is that Jonah Hill or someone is a very controlling person, They'll say things like, yeah, these are my boundaries and, you know, I've spoken to my therapist and this is something that's it. They'll make it seem like it's very enlightened when mm. it's not. And mm. I think that goes both ways where there's other people who will diagnose celebrities as this person is a psychopath or this person is, you know, yeah, na- narcissist seems to be the um, the overused one, the common one that... Uh, is uh, I just yeah. I don't like the way people throw that word around. I agree. It is a really tricky thing, and that it's. I do agree with you know we shouldn't be labeling or diagnosing, and it's like crazy to see how far back people have gone to analyze this. And I've then seen people make like a montage of videos of other celebrities. Like there was one video of um, 
Seth Rogen with some others and they were doing like a Q&A and the person said, who's the most um, difficult celebrity to work with? And then immediately at the same time, they were like, Jonah Hill. <laughs> um, and then everyone was like, see, like it's always been like this. People have always complained about him and he's narcissistic and this and that, um, which it it is actually invalidating the control and manipulation tactic of therapeutic language or weapon as a weaponizing that um, it's doing a disservice to bringing recognition to this as a control tactic by then using it yourself, like you said, to then analyze Jonah Hill. Um, and it is a very hard, like I mentioned before, it is an overlooked tactic at times. And, you know, when you spoke about how you've fallen into the trap of, um, in your previous relationships or earlier relationships, feeling like, okay, you're teetering on the on the line of being controlling. And I, in the same sense, have teetered on the line in very early relationships when I started studying of weaponizing therapeutic language and emotional intelligence by probably being patronizing and trying to explain to someone how they felt, et cetera, um, because I felt at that point at like a 22-year-old <laughs> just finished my degree that I knew what was going on. Um, and only with age and maturity and experience, I've realized how that that is an inappropriate thing to do, but we often don't recognize that in ourselves, and we do these things subconsciously at times. Everyone manipulates it's you can't you can sit and say you don't but you do and you do it in ways that are so subtle at times like yeah you can go out to the bar pull like a little face a little eyebrow twitch or a little eye roll like that's manipulation that's that's putting guilt onto someone uh we all do it even i do it i can't think of an example but i know i probably do <laughs> um and it's just something that you know we're expressing in our innate feelings come out at times and we're as humans we're self-serving we're selfish we're vain um and we don't want to have our egos hurt so we do these things and i do think though obviously that this situation at least what if that were the text were an accurate representation of their relationship i do personally put that into the category of abuse and control and manipulation i think that that is another level um based on all the things that he was trying to control about her life. And you mentioned at the very beginning of your spiel about how, like, why date a surfer if these are going to be your boundaries? And I think that if someone is, you know, a controlling, manipulative, abusive person, it doesn't matter if those were never his boundaries to begin with. He would have found something else. If she was an accountant, he'd be like, I don't like you wearing pencil skirts and heels to the office. I don't like you working with men or working late um, or you should be at home by five to cook. Like it's they people like that find reasons to control or find things to control regardless of what it is. So I think that's a big point that keeps coming up being like, well, he shouldn't date a surfer. If he had dated a fucking zookeeper, it'd be something else about that. Um, if he were, if that were an accurate representation, representation of him as a whole rather than just the snapshot of the text. Um, I just want to clarify that obviously. So, and my last um, thought as well, if, if that were the case where his messages to, to um, Sarah post this situation saying like, he, you can just 
feel the hurt and the frustration, being like, I can never trust anyone again. That makes me fearful for his current partner. Like how much could she potentially then be taking the blame being like women can't be trusted or no one can be trusted or now I'm paranoid in relationships to share anything. Like will that impact his current relationship, um, which is shitty for both him and his new partner, or will she be getting the brunt of things? There's so many things, but then also you don't want to speculate so much and just draw conclusions based on these things. So I don't know. I feel like I'm just like talking in circles because I keep wish-washing on like how I feel about I feel empathy for him, mainly more for the girlfriend, of course, being a victim. Um, but it's a sh- shitty situation all around. And then, of course, the other things that have come to light since where, I don't know if you saw, um, I can't remember her name, Alexis, Alexa or Alexis, someone, um, she was an actress from Zoe 101, has come out saying that when she was 16 and Jonah Hill was in his mid-20s, he sexually assaulted her just, uh, I won't say just, but he like forced her into a kiss um, when she was underage. And then that's opened up a whole new cattle, cattle, a whole new bunch of issues where he's now seeking lawyers for that and people are discrediting her. It's just getting so complicated, so messy. It's kind of like what you and I are talking about in, um, the podcast we filmed um, with Matt about the Me Too movement where it can it starts off as like really important conversations happening and really great um, and essential information coming out and, yeah, starting great conversations and then people get so swept away and carried and then it branches off into like a 100 different things, which is already happening to this. And at this point of us filming this podcast, it only happened like, what, like three days ago. <laughs> Yeah, so who yeah. knows? It'll happen by the time this podcast is released. It'll be and tits up. Well, that we're going to release that podcast after this one, so that that oh, is a good one. Stay tuned but, then. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. <laughs> um, okay. Well, well, I think I've I've talked about my general take on it, and yeah, I'm 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 just very reticent to make a a really absolute judgment, but I will say if you if you are a man who feels very uncomfortable with a girlfriend doing things like posting. Okay, look, if she's in a lingerie photo bending and it's overtly sexual, I think a lot of people would agree that might not be appropriate depending on her line of work. But if it's, say, she she's a surfer and she's uh, in a uh, – the top of her wetsuit is down or if, if you feel uh, uncomfortable if your girlfriend's with uh, other – if, say, there's a really – good looking single man at the office and you're always worried like wow what if she's gonna cheat on me oh if I say anything if I if she's mad at me one day she's gonna cheat on me that is something you have to it's not most cases it's not got anything to do with her and it's your insecurity that you do need to deal with and I know it's very hard to hear that because I've been there uh when I was a lot younger but it is something that you have to be introspective about and look into because uh, it, it's it's likely for coming from a place of, okay, I feel like she's ab- above me. I'm putting her on a pedestal and I'm so lucky to have this hot girl, this beautiful woman, but then I'm so worried to, to lose her that I'd rather just uh, be safe and make sure she's not around a guy that I perceive to be more 
better looking than me. All right, look, if you're secure, you'd, it it doesn't matter. Like if, if my girlfriend was with a bunch of good looking dudes, it's on her whether she wants to cheat or not. And if she does, the relationship's most likely over. Yeah. And whether I say things like, okay, you can't do this, you can't do that, that's not going to make a difference. If anything, it, it pushes people further away. And if anything, they might even be more likely to cheat. So if you are feeling that, um, and, and, you know, if you're a woman feeling that as well, that's something to be introspective about and talk to, I'm just such a uh, advocate of talking to other people that you trust that, but that will also call you out if you're saying something that isn't reasonable. That's hard. Not everyone has that because friends will often back us up, but you know, even if it is a, a post on Reddit or something like that, it, you just need yeah. to get other opinions because these things are so contextual that yeah. you just need to um, get some sort of an external opinion because there are usually uh, multiple factors that um, contribute to situations like this. And yeah. it is natural to feel a lot of those things, but if you are experiencing that to a to a degree where it's consuming your whole life, that's something you need to um, something you need to look at, especially if it's something that wasn't there at the start of a relationship and then it's suddenly coming up. Yeah, it's something you need to more likely than not. It's something you probably need to be accountable for. Um, there are yeah. there are extreme examples where someone is actually maybe not directly cheating, but um, doing things that are completely inappropriate, and then and then not to use a therapeutic term, but you know, doing something like gaslighting and making you feel like you're being unreasonable. Those situations uh, arise a lot, but uh, it, it, it's always worthwhile to be introspective and as um, level-headed in these situations because you can end up lashing out and sending a text like that. And look, I've, I've you know, I don't think I've sent a text like that, but I've... Uh, you know, we get we get in um, verbal arguments with our partners and always regret it. It's it's always easier said than done, but you need to be as uh, uh, calm and and take some time away, and then you know try to have a reasonable discussion later. Um, and this happens a lot with uh, guys who are insecure. They they think something like this is very reasonable, and it's often not. Um, so it's just something to look into. Um, having said yeah. that, everything I said before, I still stand by where, you know, we just, don't, I'm not, I'm not willing to, um, uh, you know, put, uh, say any major judgments because this is just one snapshot of a relationship and a person. Yeah. Well said. I agree with literally everything you just said. Really perfectly put. Feel perfect. <laughs> get that introspection or get therapy, <laughs> please. Um, it's so essential. Just it it can be one of those things that could be so consuming as well. When something you're paranoid about something, you're insecure about something, you have a feeling that there's something going on, and it's natural to have that urge. It's not, I wouldn't say it's actually natural, but it's common to have that urge to want to control things and sometimes we instead of controlling ourselves uh, we might try to control the other person's behavior in order to relieve our own anxieties and stresses and fears um, and once that habit has started or that pattern starts it's really really hard 
a break, especially if you find that initially in the initial time that you've done it, your partner has gone along with it and been like, okay, fine, I'll do this. Um, and then you're like, okay, so I can, you know, subconsciously you're aware you can quote get away with, with requesting um, or demanding needs be met and things be changed in order to alleviate your symptoms of anxiety and stress and fears, etc. So I do think it's really important to recognize that even if your partner is doing what you say at this point, and you know, you can recognize that in yourself, it is still something that you have to change because long-term it's not going to be helpful. It's not going to be a healthy relationship and it probably will end. Um, and future relationships, it's not going to fly either. So it's something that it's like, wouldn't you want to live your relationships or experience your relationships to their best potential one, but also learn to free yourself from those feelings and those fears where they're not so crippling and consuming all the time, more importantly, and how can we alleviate that. It is not our partner's responsibility to alleviate that. We can communicate with it. We can ask for things like more reassurance or maybe something that's not so controlling. Like, look, if you're going away, if you're going out clubbing, can I get a check-in every few hours, just how you're doing, etc. I think those things are totally fair to fuck. Uh, or like you said before, maybe you're the couple, there are couples that have shared um, agreements on, it could be like, I want both of us want to have a text every hour for a check-in or both of us want our location shared or we should only go clubbing when we can both go. If you have those shared goals and agreements, then go for it. <laughs> Do whatever fulfills you. Um, but when it's you demanding something of your partner and not compromising and not having those open discussions about it, it's not healthy and it's it's not only harming your partner, it's also harming you. Yeah, and it's often wrongfully perceived as a masculine thing to do. You got to have to, you you know, you have to uh, put the foot down and make sure that your uh, girlfriend or wife is is serving the relationship. But I'd personally disagree with that. I think the the well, the confident or the masculine thing to do is to look if they do if they sure at the start of a relationship talk about what 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 some mutual boundaries are and then if they're constantly causing you stress that's not a good relationship if they're constantly causing you paranoia if you're constantly unsure about the other person then that's just not a good relationship if a relationship is not actually making a positive impact in your life if it's made your life worse get out because that's that, that there's no point in being one in in one then you're better off being single it should always have a net positive effect on your life and your well-being and your mentality. And if it doesn't, it could be you, it could be them, but it's not a good relationship. And, and look, a long-term relationship will go through some lulls and some periods where it might be stressful and it might be tough. But if you know they're six months in or something and, and if they're having these kind of issues, I mean, it should have been over. It shouldn't have happened. So that uh, that... It, it might be good that the text has come out then i do feel for i do feel for both of them of course um but just if you texts like that uh it it just means there's something it just usually it means that that's not a relationship that should be happening it should be one that either she's walking away from he never initiated um 
they should be communicating that in person at least and probably in a healthier way. So, yeah, if if a relationship's causing you a lot of stress and there's a lot of these ups and downs and, oh, I love her, she's the best thing in the world, but oh, now I feel like she's going to cheat. And look, that is not healthy and you need to potentially have the discipline to end it or you need to just, just again, an external voice and, and always try to um, express what happened in a very objective way. Don't say, well, they did this and, and this is what they did. Say, all right, this is the facts. This is the behavior. Um, this is what we both did. And I'm going to ignore how I felt about it all. What's your opinion on it? And if you have someone like that in your life, it's going to be very helpful. Yeah, I agree. So stay safe. <laughs> Stay relationship safe and boundary safe, <laughs> please. Well, I actually had someone, this reminds me um, when you were talking about the net positive, someone messaged me um, today saying that she struggles to differentiate between issues in a relationship and just being incompatible. Um, and how do you know like when you should leave? And it's such a valid question. Um, and that was one of my points as well, like, are you happy in your relationship as a whole? And uh, do you, it does it have an overall positive impact on you? And how often do these issues come up? Are they the same issues? Are these issues being resolved? Can they be resolved? Are you asking for changes to something that is deep to their core as a person or vice versa that cannot be changed, like perhaps religious views, et cetera? Um, and then, of course, like what – what is the compatibility and discussions about the long-term relationship goals? Do you both believe in marriage, children, living arrangements, financial arrangements, um, schooling views, all those things? Um, so I think it'd be good actually to do a podcast on that, the difference between issues and incompatibilities in relationships. But Definitely. yeah, it, 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 it is such a, I think a lot of people struggle with it. And I'm one of those people that it's like, I find it, I find personally find it easy to recognize and would leave it. And then I have a friend who has studied, we went to uni together. She's also studied counseling, behavioral science and other things. And she's the type of person that is, despite, you know, having that knowledge and experience will hesitate and really, really hold onto a relationship, even if it were to be unhealthy. Um, that's just, who she is as a person because she believes like, you know, we got to stick it out, fight it out, or is this something you should leave over? It's such a hard point to be. And that's why I understand why, you know, when texts like this can come up, why people saying, why are you staying in a relationship? Because I mean, the te the texts, you know, although they are controlling and manipulative, it's not like he's threatening her life. It's not like it's as clear yeah. as, you know, it's not black and white basically. Um, there's context to it and perhaps afterwards he might have said, sorry, I know that was a bit, you know, ABC, that was a bit over the top. And who knows what happened before and afterwards, um, which I guess, yeah, that's, that brings me to that point that I was saying that the yes, the text messages are abusive controlling but doesn't necessarily reflect him as a whole person. It could, but not necessarily. So I think that people can be really confused about, when to leave a relationship, whether it's appropriate, should they fight and try and make things work? Should they hash it out? Um, are all relationships worth saving? 
it's a really complicated thing to navigate and often we can't we struggle to come to those conclusions on our own or especially in the case of like abuse control and um manipulation they say like it takes on average seven times seven breakups to leave an abusive person for good and anyone that he has is a family member or a friend of someone who is in or has been in an abusive relationship knows that it is the most frustrating frustrating thing ever like why are you going back to this man or this woman like why are you going back knowing these things um but love and hormones and and promises and the hope for the future of false expectations um oh it there's so much grief associated with that i think that not only do you grieve the break or the end of a relationship you also grieve the potential future that you were imagining for yourself um so it's it's obviously harder than other than what people think you're right you're right i think something jordan said to me a few years ago which I didn't strike me at the time, but I agree with 100% now is that a relationship shouldn't be these giant spikes up and down. Oh, I'm at the best time of my life and I love this person more than anything. Oh, I can't believe they would do that. And then, you know, a week later up, that if you're feeling that, that's not, that's not um, healthy. Yeah. Every relationship is going to have an up, ups and downs and arguments and things like that. But if they're that extreme, no, that's not love. That's uh, infatuation and yeah. you know, it comes down to attachment and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. But um, especially when we're young, we're not really aware of that. Um, yeah. We learn the hard way. Um, yeah. Hopefully we learn. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, that was a, um, that was a potentially controversial one. I um hopefully not too much. Yeah, look, uh, I think I summed up my views well. I probably bumbled on a few things there, but you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Just our views, just our discussion. No facts here. Just nope. chit chat. <laughs> just talking. Hmm. <laughs> Feels like there's more to talk. About. I don't know. Feels like uh, we could go on forever with these sorts of things, but it just thinks there's so many podcasts we've done that's touched on this sort of stuff. So you can just there look is. through our whole back catalogue, and um, <laughs> there's plenty of stuff there. So I need to like keep a list of things. I, I should have done this, like made an Excel spreadsheet, because so many times where I'm like replying to people on Instagram, I'm like Neil and I have done a podcast on this, but I yeah. can't remember. Which one it was. So you're just going to have to go through how many we done, like 140 or something. Like it's <laughs> go back up to there. them and find it. We've done a lot. We've done a lot. Mm. Um, yeah. yeah. I think the one I, early on I did one, well, it was my idea, but the overdiagnosis of everyone saying this person's narcissist, this person's manipulated, yeah. this person's that. So my thoughts yeah. are still standing. Yeah, therapy culture. That's an interesting phrase that I've heard come from this. I don't think I've heard that before, but it's so true, isn't it? It's uh, everyone thinks they're a therapist now. And then you know what? I do too. 
even though I don't have the <laughs> qualifications you do. So maybe that hit me a little bit. But uh, I, we all, it's just a time in history where we all love to diagnose people and things. And hell, I even use it to um, as a as a paradigm to see politics and and culture. And and yeah. I think there I think they're effective tools to do that. But maybe. Yeah. Uh, it's excessive there as well. So, yeah, a lot came out of that um, situation. And I'm sure by the time we release this podcast, there's there's more that's going to come out. And yeah. there'll probably be a long legal battle. And these celebrity relationships are obvious, are always just when they go sour, it's just it's it's not nice for yeah. anyone. And so public. Yeah. That's the one bad th- That's the terrible thing about having a profile i mean look everyone knows if you're chasing fame this is sort of stuff can happen but that your personal life is just on display and yeah yeah i'd be so stressed i'd just be even just living your life neil i'd be just so stressed about what people are saying online about me etc all the time or discussing my content or my comedy gosh yeah, so much resilience. I think that's it's a great thing to have. I'm the I'm the biggest victim here. That's the- <laughs> 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 um, yeah, poor you. <laughs> yeah, poor me. Uh, <laughs> Going viral. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, we'll 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 end that one. Um, let us know in the comments what you think, what you thought, and we've got a really good one coming next week. With our first guest ever. We actually did record that one earlier, but we need to get this Jonah Hill one out because it's in the news cycle. And that, I think, was one of our best podcasts ever. He's a a wonderful guest. So um, stay tuned for that one next week. And uh, enjoy, enjoy your day. Enjoy the rest of your week. And we'll see you next time. See you next week.